Every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that will draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis' ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and don't go gently, y'all. Hi, everybody. This is Doc. And this is Jukebox. And we're talking to you from the parking lot of a TGIF because we are excited about June 3rd. Alone, Season 8 coming out. Your favorite podcast hosts are back with your favorite show, Yes, you might know us from the John Freakin' Muir Pod, but we also have a, another podcast called Solitude, and it is the companion podcast to the hit survival uh, adventure series on the History Channel alone. Strap in, get comfortable, be prepared as we break down each episode every week, provide our expert analysis, and make some predictions about who we think is going to take the ultimate prize. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. J.R.R. Tolkien. The oh, so the two of us who got sick, food poisoning, also got stung by wasps in that stretch. So I got about seven stings on my leg at this one point. It was a whole thing. One, there were three of us who were kind of all close to each other, maybe like a minute apart or so. Uh, one guy must have disturbed the wasp. The next guy went through, Baggins, and I just hear, woo, yeah, and I'm behind like, oh, something exciting's happening up there. Maybe they're going for a swim. So I start walking really fast. I'm trying to catch up and I'm like, oh, what's happening? What's happening around this corner? As I'm going through thinking that I see all these wasps and I'm like, 
But by that point, it's too late. I've already, I'm already going straight through it. And then suddenly all these wasps just cling to my legs and I start screaming and running. And that's when I realized, oh, that's what the screaming was. Uh, there was a lot of pain uh, going on. So I just start screaming, running, get around the corner to the other two. One of them has like got a shirt off and he looks like he's in, in complete shock. The other is kind of standing there like, I don't know what to do. And I get all the wasps off me and I go over to Baggins and he's got still got some wasps on him. And so I got stung about seven times and that poison is just like, you can just feel it stinging your legs and just, you can't not feel the pain. And he had about 17 stings. So that night we, both of us were just, you know, lying in our sleeping bags, just feeling the burning sensation in our legs. And I got this, I had this weird allergic reaction where my lip just started swelling up. We still had two more days to get out of the Richmonds and I, we were just like, can we go home? <laughs> I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to some high-quality content. This week's guest comes to us from New Zealand. She's a long trail through hiker who took on the PCT in 2019, and she just finished up the Tararoa in her home country. She's also got an incredible YouTube channel with some very unique and popular videos. That's right. You may have guessed it. Our guest this week is Elena Tip Tap Osborne. Welcome to the podcast, Tip Tap. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, we're excited to have you. This is, this is great. So we go strictly by trail names here on the podcast. So I'm Doc. And uh, as I mentioned in the intro, you go by Tip Tap. And I'm always intrigued to hear about the story behind acquiring the trail name. So what, what, what is the story behind Tip Tap? Mm, uh, it's not that exciting, to be honest. Uh, I'd turned down a couple names already, ones that have, were very, very generic, like Spoon or, or it was something like Spoons or um, Boy Scout. Uh, and I think I was almost getting into Idlewild and still didn't have a trail name. Um, I mentioned that to a hiker I passed by Um then I kept going. Um, he saw the way I was walking, saw the way I was using my trekking poles and uh, later caught up to me and said, hey, I've got a trail name for you. Um, you use your hiking poles really weirdly. Um, you kind of just tip tap them on the ground. You should be called tip tap. And uh, yeah, I thought the name was better than all the other ones. So I took it. Very good. Tip tap. So have you improved your trekking pole skills or are you still tip tapping around there? Uh, I'd like to think I've improved them though. 
I, to be honest, don't think I have. Um, maybe a little bit, but I, I think I still do them, do use them a little bit strangely. Well, very good. I want to thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast. I reached out to you on social media. You got uh, right back to me. I, of course, I did name drop a little bit. I said that I had, I had talked to Little Skittle here on the podcast, and she was an excellent guest, and she was very complimentary of of you and recommended that I reach out to you. So, Oh, she's awesome. Haven't yeah. met her, but love her. Yeah, she told the story on her episode where she was doing the PCT, and she had to do a log crossing. And she actually froze in the wall on the log above this raging river and blacked out. And she broke her fall with her chin on the log. And uh, I, I think I've seen photos of that. Um, yeah, that's, that's next level. Uh, she's <laughs> tough. She's tough. Next level. I like that. Very good. All right. Hey, tip top. Here's another. Uh, oh, actually, before we get to that, have you listened to the podcast before? I have. So I actually, when you messaged me, I was like, okay, well, I have to listen to a couple of episodes. Um, so out on the trail, I remember it was in a section near the Mavora Lakes where actually um, some scenes from Lord of the Rings were filmed. It's on Te Araroa and uh, I was listening to the episode with Jupiter. Nice. So that was cool. Felt very connected to the trail or you know, the American trails through listening to that. Well, I am honored that uh, someone was listening to my podcast while on in the middle of the Lord of the Rings set in New Zealand. So very good. Yeah, it does feel a little bit meta to be listening to hiking podcasts while hiking. Um, but that was good. It was good. And you'll remember from that episode, Jupiter said that he lines up his, his uh, podcast that he listens to while on his, his long trails. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did hear that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review. Here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So tip tap, what is your must bring piece of gear? Um, I think... It would probably have to be um, the camera clip that I attach to my pack. Um, I think it's actually been life-changing, I think, because on previous hikes where I took a camera, I would have to like put my pack, put the camera in my pack. And every time I wanted to use my camera, open up my pack, you know, take it off and then pull out the camera and try take photos or film or whatever. Um, when I got this clip, it kind of just meant it was my camera was always accessible and always there. Uh, so that would that would be the piece of kit I would definitely bring. It's by uh, Peak Design. Okay, and what kind brand. of what kind of camera does it hold? I mean, what is was it built for? Um, so sorry, it's very warm. Um, so the. I think it can carry, I mean, it's carried my Sony a7S um, three with a 24 millimeter lens. Pretty, it's a pretty big, I don't know how, I don't even know how much it weighed. I didn't want to weigh it. Um, so it was carrying that. Uh, you could also probably just clip something small on it too. Like if you wanted to have your little RX 100 or even a film camera, I can, any of those. 
Okay. And speaking of weight, what was your base weight on the PCT? I actually don't know. <laughs> really? I, um, I, so I kind of went in with the philosophy of, you know, keep my gear as light as possible. I was trying to be ultralight, um, ultralight, uh, parentheses, but, um, and, you know, bought all the really lightweight gear. Um, I think, I think I remember somebody weighed it, um, at Scout and Frodo's and maybe it was just around the 10 pound. It's weird using pounds again. Um, Cause we use kilograms. Right. <laughs> um, so it was around maybe 10 pounds, but I don't really recall. I didn't weigh it again after that. Um, I think, okay. The only other time I weighed it was, um, before I went into a week long stretch in the Sierra and everyone was weighing their packs to see how heavy they were with all the food and the beer canister and the ice axe and micro spikes and all that. And that was 26 pounds. So those were the only two times I weighed my pack and didn't wear it after that. I kind of just don't, I feel like ignorance is bliss. You know, it's just better not knowing. Very good. And that kind of leads to my, my, my next, uh, question of you or, or alert to you is that we, we have a regular segment on the podcast called the pro tip inside of the week. And that comes at the end of the episode. I will turn to you and ask you what tip trick secret can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor adventure that much better? And maybe you've just wasted a possible pro tip with the ignorance is bliss. Mm. <laughs> I'll try thinking something else. Yeah. Okay, so don't be surprised when we get to the end and I, I turn to you and ask you for your, your pro tip. All righty, got it. Okay, all right. Hey, let's back up a little bit before we get too far down the trail and talk about your background growing up. What kinds of hobbies did you have as a kid? Was the outdoor experience part of growing up for you? And how did you get involved in the thru-hiking cult? Mm, thru-hiking cult. Mm -hmm. um, interesting use of words. Uh, so upbringing um yeah i mean i guess i grew up in auckland new zealand auckland is the biggest city um within new zealand so right now i think the population is around getting close to five million in new zealand and auckland has maybe around a third of the population um but i was kind of in one of the suburbs out west um and in terms of hobbies, I mean, I played sport at school. I always wanted to get into hiking, I think. Uh, I think I've said in the past that it's kind of um, very natural to get into hiking if you live in New Zealand. But I've thought about that more since. And it's not, even though, you know, we're surrounded by a lot of um, accessible trails and beautiful places in New Zealand, it's also not accessible to a lot of people um and i remember never having actually having the gear like my parents went into hiking my family wasn't into hiking so it wasn't probably until maybe past it might have even been like my first year of university i'd done like day hikes and a couple overnight hikes um in my youth uh and it probably wasn't until yeah university where I ever went on. So I was probably like, uh, I was over 18 before I did my first ever 
a multi-day hike with, you know, all borrowed gear. Um, but yeah, it took a couple of years before I started really getting into it. And it wasn't until I was what, 25 when I did my first through. It's weird saying that I've my first through now knowing that I've done a second one, but uh, yeah, that's kind of the timeline of getting into the outdoors. Yeah. And I, I used the, the word cult to describe through hiking because it has to be something like a cult because it convinces people to put everything on their back. That they're going to need for days on end and go live in the dirt and be uncomfortable and, and be happy about it. So, I mean, there's something about that. That is kind of mm. cultish. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I think that, you know, that sense of community and everybody really wanting to live alternatively, it's a bit of us versus them, you know, hiker trash versus the normies. <laughs> um, I guess we just have to appoint some kind of leader or a leader would have to um, emerge. May, maybe that's Darwin, you know, mm-hmm. who knows. Are, and are you self, self-appointed uh, hiker trash? uh sure yeah i mean (laughs) yeah i mean i definitely uh like to live the hiker trash life what is the criteria i I heard it from ib tat um i don't know if you if you know him or not he is uh currently on the continental divide trail going after his Mm. triple crown but he had a very distinct definition of uh qualifying for hiker trash do you do you have a similar definition um i probably haven't thought about it that much to be honest um and i also think uh uh, he said just to give you some insight he Mm -hmm. he said you couldn't qualify as hiker trash unless unless you had spent the night in a porta potty ah okay no that um that's a good that's a good uh qualification um qualifying trait (laughs) well maybe then i don't make the cut i yeah not yet i have slept in a um i remember we did sleep uh, in a playground uh, area in, ooh, it was just out of the Sierra. I don't remember the name. The name escapes me. Uh, surrounded by sprinklers. So the sprinklers went off. Uh, Is that nearby Hikertown? Oh, I think it was. Um, it was just after Sonora Pass. You can go to, you can go either way. And we went that way. <laughs> We went left instead of going right. Um, small town. I forget the name. It's so yeah. bad. So um, that location you're describing is about a half an hour from where, from where I am right now. Oh, no way. What's so you, the name of the town? Uh, is, is it Acton Aguadulce? No. Or coming um, down into Antelope Valley? Uh, I don't. Oh, you know what? No, 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 no. I, yeah, no, I, it's my, that's my, my mistake. I'm, I'm uh, significantly south of that, of that point. I'm, I'm near, okay. I'm nearer to Acton Aguadulce. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 yeah I know where it. that is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And so I'm in Southern California. You're in New Zealand. You're now, you're 18 hours in the future. So it's, it's, yes. uh, it's Tuesday around noon where you are right now, correct? Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. right. And that's what evening for you on Monday. Yeah, Monday evening. So is, is Tuesday looking okay for me? Is it going to be all right? Oh, it's a bit cloudy, a bit rainy today, actually. Um, okay. You know, we're alive. The world is still spinning, so. Got it. All right. Hey, I'm always interested in when the notion of long trail through hiking 
first strike somebody. So when did you get it? get an inkling that these things called long trails existed and how did you decide, you know what, that's something I'd want to do? Mm. Well, I mean, <laughs> my answer is the most uh, generic and kind of boring one in terms of how I found out about the trail. Um, and I think I was like 16 or so when I read the book Wild. Yes. Yes, it was the book Wild. Um, but I just remember the main thing I got from that book was, oh my God, there is a trail that goes from Mexico to Canada and there, there's no way in the world that I would be able to do something like that. So I finished the book, forgot about it. Um, you know, especially when you're in New Zealand, that just the idea of firstly getting to the States, like even that, just flying from here to America is a massive deal. Um, so that was a, something that I couldn't even comprehend. And then the next step walking from Mexico to Canada um, while being there was just incomprehensible. So uh, yeah, I disregarded that idea uh, for some close to 10 years and it wasn't until, so I spent a, about a year, 14 months in the States in 20, from end of 2016 to the end of 2017 slash 2018. Um, well, beginning 2018. And I think, so that was that first step, right? I, I leapt into that and the mystery of America um, was a little bit, um, it subsided a little bit. So I got to know the country a little bit more, the people, the culture, uh, and then came back to New Zealand. Um, but now that I'd had a taste of the States and I'd been on a couple of the hiking trails over there, visited um, Yosemite and Zion and the Grand Canyon and um, lived in Denver for a bit, lived in, so I went to Rocky Mountain National Park and, um, you know, just, it became, it all became a bit more familiar to me. Uh, and then coming back to New Zealand all I wanted was to go back to the States. Just something in me was like, you need to go back to America. Um, and then I reached a point where I was in this major, I guess, uh, transitioning period in my life where I'd ended a relationship, uh, was not happy in my job and was feeling like, okay, you're in the best position you can be right now to go back and, um, do that long trail that you heard about some years ago. Okay. And so what, what was the job that you were unhappy with? Oh, I mean, it was okay. I was, I was doing, um, <laughs> I was doing a bit of video production work um, for the New Zealand police. Um, I'd actually started their YouTube channel. So if you go to the New Zealand police YouTube channel, all the early videos are all mine, all the ones I did. Um, and so I, I started that for them, but um, mainly into that job because of the relationship I was in, um, which is a whole other story, but um, yeah. So like that was kind of my, I had like a side door into getting, um, a job there and you know it was it was good in the sense I was able to practice like my video skills and um, interviewing people and doing that kind of thing but just the subject matter was not something I was passionate about at all right how does the New Zealand police YouTube channel compare to the uh, tip tap YouTube channel 
are the major differences? <laughs> um, I mean, subject matter is one. <laughs> um, secondly, I surpassed the uh, subscribe account, which I was very stoked by. <laughs> it was like the only thing. Um, no, not that relevant. Um, yeah. So I've yeah more fo- followers there. I yeah. guess. So what what uh, what do you do these days to pay the bills and save up money for your your next adventure? Mm, that's a very good question. Um, so in between doing the PCT and heading out for Te Arara, I took up a temp job because I had no money um, and was doing uh, a role in digital marketing, which I had never done, but. Um, I needed to pay the bills and save up some money. At that point, I didn't know that I was actually going to do Tiara. I was going to go to Canada, maybe. And um, so I was kind of just, that was a very interim uh, job. Um, and then as I was able to build my channel a bit and um, make more connections and do some stuff online, um, like I made a this sounds like a plug it's not meant to be a plug but I made like an adventure filmmaking course and um, was able to do some things where um, I was able to generate some income Um, I wouldn't say I'm at a place where I'm like very set but um, yeah and I was able to help me pay the bills uh, since returning from Te Araroa which has been about two weeks now uh, I am figuring that out Okay. Now, I know a lot of the folks that we talk to who are, are long, long trail through hikers, they kind of find temporary jobs uh, or multiple temporary jobs in the six months between their long hikes. And they just, they, they save up the money and pay for their next adventure. It's not necessarily a, uh, it's very, very few people who do long trails on a regular basis who are also, you know, setting their careers and, you know, get the, the two weeks off each year. I mean, it doesn't, it's not not too conducive to that lifestyle. So is it is that kind of kind of where you are in terms of you know you're you're making money for your next adventure? Uh yeah, I guess so. I'm definitely at that point since returning from Te Arlo. It's interesting because I guess you're the first person that I've talked to since I've um, come back, and I'm definitely figuring a lot of things out. I um, yeah, I guess we can get to that a bit later, but. Um, yeah, in terms of what um, I'm doing next. Sorry, I kind of forgot what we were talking about, just um, about career and um, figuring out that next step. Yeah, so I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out what that looks like for me because, yeah, like you said, a very um, kind of, I don't want to say settled, but a very... Um, established or career that requires you to be in one place for a long time, like you said, is not super conducive to uh, heading out and doing through hikes and saying that it's hard for me to know when my next through hike will be. Um, So yeah, again, figuring out what the next step looks like. Yeah. Us, uh, us poor guys who are poor guys, poor people who are stuck to these nine to five jobs for, you know, most of the year, uh, if you're talking about doing the Pacific Trust, uh, Pacific Crest Trail, that's 2,600 miles. I could probably do 100 miles a summer. I get it, get it done in you know 26 years, no problem. So, mm. kind of like a pain. Hey. <laughs> yeah, 
But, you know, you'd get it done in the end, 26 yeah, years. That's right. that's right. That's right. That kind of gives you just a sense of how big the Pacific Crest Trail is. Yeah, it is pretty crazy to put it like that. Okay. So when you were over in America between 2016, 2018, I heard you say you visited a, a number of uh, national parks in America. Were those pretty much day hikes? You do any overnighters or multi, multi-day hikes? Mm, I think most of them were day hikes. Wait, let me think. Oh, Yosemite Zion. Yeah, all of them were day hikes. None of them were multi-days. I think the only multi-day or not even multi-day overnight hike I did was um, in uh, Wyoming. I don't even remember where it was, but um, I managed to find an awesome flat in Denver um, through Craigslist and the people I was living with loved going hiking. So they took me along whenever they were going. So that was, I think the only overnight hike I did in the States. Okay. Well, it wasn't the Wind River range, was it? Oh, I could not tell you. Okay. All right. Very good. I won't put you on the spot. <laughs> what was your favorite, your favorite national park back in those oh, days? I think at the time Zion, I really liked, I think um, just the drive in was incredible. Um, yeah. I just remember feeling like I was in Jurassic park or something like that. And that was cool. That was very, very cool opened my eyes to the different kinds of hiking you could do because um, up until that point, I'd only really done um, hiking in New Zealand and in forest and some mountains, but nothing like uh, Zion. That was so, so different to what I'd experienced. Mm -hmm. Did you get a chance to do Angel's Landing? I did do that. What'd you think of that? That was cool. I loved that one. That was very, very cool. Very, yeah. And I remember a chipmunk like jumped on my pack and stole a cliff bar from my bag. And that was also the first experience I'd had with those animals on trail. So um, yeah, not quite like the New Zealand animals. <laughs> we only really have birds and, oh, we do have possums. Um, but yeah. No, no chipmunks jumping into your packs and grabbing out muesli bars. So, no chipmunks in New Zealand. Yeah, no squirrels either. Wow, I was today years old when I learned that. Thank mm -hmm. you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're most welcome. But we all do have uh, a pet sheep in our backyards. I think you're pulling my leg. It's it's a uh, you know as soon as you're born they put into your arms and uh, you raise them until you reach 16 years old and you head out and you put that sheep to sleep. Yes, I'm definitely, <laughs> but it's amazing. You know how much you can get away with when you're from New Zealand and just have a deadpan face and tell people, especially uh, Americans. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna put you. I'm gonna put you in the spotlight, but uh, you know it's pretty pretty incredible what you can get away with um, in saying what happens down here. Yeah, if you say it with confidence and you just go with it, I mean, people are gonna gonna believe you most of the time. I was gonna go back and scour your YouTube channel for evidence of sheep in the background, but uh... mm. yeah, well, might might be true. You don't know that. <laughs> 
All right. And you also, I see, had a chance to make it down to Machu Picchu. Yeah, yeah, that was, oh, I think that was the year I was in the States. It was funny because I was like, wow, South America is so close. It was the closest it it had ever been for me. Um, So any pretty much any place that was a lot closer than it was from New Zealand. I was like, oh, it's so close. I have to go. I had no excuse not to. So I uh, made, made the trip over there and did the Salkante. Salkante, it's like the five-day trek that's cheaper than doing the um, Inca Trail. Had beautiful weather for the first four days of it. And then the day going into Machu Picchu, it was absolutely pissing down with rain and could not see a thing. So that was, it was, it was a great experience. That is so funny to hear you say that South America was so close. It, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a matter of perspective. It, it kind of puts it into perspective, uh, you know, how far away you are in New Zealand from a lot of places. And I, you know, I've never heard an American say, hey, you know what? We're so close to South America. Let's just go down there for the weekend. Yeah, no, it was, it, it honestly just felt so close. I could see it, you know, just below my GPS spot. And I was like, well, I got to go. Very good. And did Machu Picchu live up to the hype? I mean, yes and and no, because when we got to Machu Picchu, I literally just you couldn't see um, the whole range. Um, I remember we kind of like googled for a beautiful desktop photo just to compare what we were seeing and what <laughs> other people see. And it was just no comparison, but, um, you know, it was a cool experience. I remember it. Uh, yeah. Very, very memorable being freezing, um, cold and soaked. Uh, but no, it was, it was cool. It was a cool experience. And because it was so close did you just, did you hitch down there or how did that work? Oh yeah. You know, just, I just called up my sheep and he, uh, took me down. Um, no, I, <laughs> No, I, th- I think I flew. I think I flew. <laughs> oh, back when flying was a thing. <laughs> Very good. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into the nitty gritty of her two big through hikes. Here's all the details on the Pacific Crest tra- Trail and the T. Araroa. That's a little bit better, right? A little bit better. You're getting so, better. You're yeah, getting okay. Better. I'll, I'll keep practicing. Stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your 
podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. It's John Freaky Murpod talking to Tip Tap about her big trip on the Pacific Crest Trail in 2019. Now, Tip Tap, I understand it took you 137 days to do the PCT. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Okay, I did my homework. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's, that's a, good because I'm pretty sure I probably said that somewhere and uh, yeah, it exists somewhere because otherwise I would struggle to remember that. No, no, I think I remember that. That's a pretty good clip. And the interesting thing that jumped out at me was both you and your brother did the Pacific Crest Trail. Your brother's name is Kinto? Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. right. Kinto. Kinto. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. It, because you're probably saying it how you heard me say it. You're saying it in a Kiwi accent, which is great. You know, you're nailing it. <laughs> Excellent. That's, that's what I'm striving for. Mm-hmm. So you both did the PCT, but you guys did not have the same permit start date. And so he started actually uh, quite a, hit a head start on you of about, what, 20 days or so? Uh, 11 days. Oh, 11 days, 11 mm-hmm, days. Mm-hmm. Okay. He had 11 day head start. And how long did it take you to catch him? Oh, it took me, <laughs> it wasn't until uh, Bridge of the Gods where I caught him. Um, he likes to say that I didn't actually catch him. He um, had four zeros. So he had to rest for me to catch him. He says he waited for me, but I, I mean, I would have caught him anyway. We, we know the truth. Uh, is that he was a bit slower, to be honest. Um, and no, so it, it was really, it was really cool. So he, um, yeah, took some days off in Portland and then um, waited because we were catching, we were getting to um, the Bridge of the Gods. Oh my gosh, what's the area called? Uh, where Trail Days is. Do you know what the name Aw- is? Awkward pause. <laughs> mm, okay. That's really bad. How am I forgetting all these names? It'll come to you. Anyway, you're, you're just you know, two weeks. You know. You're two weeks off a long trail, so don't worry. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. My, my brain is still trying to catch up. Um, so, yeah, that area where Trail Days is. He uh, so he waited um, in Portland and then came back for that, and we had our reunion there. I did not recognize him. I was. I remember I was sitting like on a hill. And it wasn't until he was standing right in front of me and said, Eleanor, Eleanor. And I was, <laughs> I remember my eyes widening and just being like, Kento, it's you. <laughs> what? And he was like, how did you not recognize me? And it just had been so long and he looked so different. It was the first time he had facial hair and it was like half the size that he started at. So uh, yeah, that was quite a moment. <laughs> I think there's a movie in there somewhere. And if I'm being honest, if, if I were, if, if there were a sibling with an 11 day head start, would I rather be the sibling in front or the sibling behind? I'd rather be the chasing 
sibling. Mm. If, I, if I were the sibling out front, I would have a tendency to be looking over my shoulder the whole time. You know, where is she? Is she all, you know, is she, is she going to, is she going to sneak up on me? You know, I feel like I was being chased the whole time. Mm-hmm. We knew all along I'd catch him. Uh, it was just a matter of when. So it only took, what, 2,000 miles? Yeah, thereabouts. Thereabouts, yeah. But we did have really different experiences because his group decided to flip north when they got to Kennedy Meadows. So he did like a section up up in um, Oregon, I think, before, and then he came back down. So I actually went through the Sierra section before him. Um, and he, he didn't do Mount Whitney, which I give him shit for <laughs> to this day. <laughs> Wow. I'm like, oh, one of the best experiences on trail and you didn't do it. <laughs> so he was actually chasing you for a little bit. If you went through the Sierras first, he was behind mm. you. Yeah, yeah. And then he flipped back up and did all these things. But, you know, it all worked out. It all worked out. And, you know, he said he took four zeros. Did you take any zeros during those 137 days? Yeah, yep. Yeah, it took many. Uh I remember the most I took in uh, in consecutive order were, I think I had three zeros in Mammoth, um, and that was incredible. I had a friend who was working in one of the hotel resorts there from New Zealand, and she um, hooked my trail family up with a sweet deal um, in one of these, like, sweet places. Um, Sweet as an S-U-I-T-E, because I was saying sweet point. Anyway, just to clarify. It was, it, uh, it was, it was probably sweet too. Yes, it was, it was great. Um, it was a sweet, sweet. Yeah. He, um, so we had, yeah, a really bougie stay in Mammoth and that was really hard to leave. Um, yeah. Many, many zeros along, along the way. I want to congratulate you. We are, we're probably under our 85th episode on the John freaking Muir pod. And this is the first time anyone's used the word bougie. So congratulations. Oh, <laughs> great. Yeah. Well done. Well done. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Hey, let's back up to the, the beginning of the trail. I know you mentioned uh, scout and Frodo early on mm. uh, earlier in the episode. And uh, I had Barney scout man as a, a guest on the pod earlier this year and he was fantastic. He was just a great guy to talk to. Uh, I really enjoyed reading his book, Journeys North, his PCT memoir of this 2007 PCT hike. It uh, really gave me a sense for what, what the PCT is all about. I felt like I was there with the hikers, with the various uh, hikers in his trail family. And uh, just to, you know, it, the things he does every year, or he did every year, where he, he and Frodo would host new PCT hikers at their house, you know, the night before they start their, their through hike, um, and then take them to the trail, have these uh, sessions at, at his house, uh, where he's talking about the PCT and the history and, and what to expect and, and all that good stuff. I mean, you had the, the opportunity to spend some time with Scout and Frodo? Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, they are just the most incredibly generous lovely people and um i've also had the chance to talk to scout since um reading his book and um talking to him about his storytelling because he's just so masterful at it uh but yeah that it was such an incredible start to the trail especially coming from overseas just feeling really overwhelmed with the prospect of it all and you know 
feeling like you're in a very unfamiliar environment, even though I'd visited before, you know, I st- it still felt very, very foreign to me. Um, so it was so great to be in this environment where it was, you know, like your camp mum and dad um, getting you ready to go, to go off to camp, a four and a half month long um, summer camp and just being around a lot of other people, which was also, it was good and bad, you know, it was kind of um, a little bit intimidating and everyone, there's a lot of nervous energy, but it was good being able to um, kind of talk to people and talk about your gear. So you could kind of get it all ready in your head uh, to set off the next day. Yeah. Was there any of that feeling of imposter syndrome as you're sitting there with a bunch of other through hikers getting ready to head out on the PCT and you're wondering, you know, how do I measure up against these folks? Uh, do I, am I, am I ready for what am I about to, to endure for the next 137 days? Yeah, there was definitely, definitely an element of that of just like, what the heck have I got myself into? Uh, but it was also good because it felt like, a lot of us were just noobs and were asking all the real beginner questions. So there was a good balance of people who like, who look like, yeah, they knew what they were doing. They had everything sorted. And then the other half were just people kind of a little bit frantic and like, okay, I'm not ready for this. So it was good having, you know, both, but um, feeling like you weren't the only one who was, you know, feeling out of the depth. Mm-hmm. And Tell me about your first night on the trail. How was that? Mm, first night on the trail, I remember I was at uh, Lake Marina and it took me a long time to get to sleep. I was really, I don't know, nervous, uh, kind of, um, I was worried that, you know, if I'd done, I was trying to film as well and it, I was really getting it caught up in my head about what I needed to film, which was really silly. But, you know, when you're sitting out and you're kind of like, okay, oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. Um, I think it was just a lot of nervous energy and thoughts that kept me up late. And then I remember that night, um, like I was with maybe seven other hikers and we were like, cool, we'll get up at six and we'll get going. Um, And I remember because I'd, stayed up so late like thinking about this all um i slept through all my alarms and woke up at maybe like 7 7 30 and just like you know when you just wake up in a fright because you know you've slept in um i had that exact uh experience where i just jumped out and unzipped my tent looked out and everyone was gone and I was so sad i was like oh man i had that moment of like oh man like everyone's gone I'm so alone and then the next bit was just I just started laughing I just cracked up because I was like of course this is typical Eleanor uh all my friends at home would know that I'm the person who sleeps in and is late so uh yeah it was just a classic classic move by me really yeah that was a great moment from one of your YouTube videos where you you talk about how you overslept and you open up the zipper and everybody's gone uh (laughs) For a lot of us, you know, that, that nightmare happens when we're about to take a final exam or we've got a big presentation to do and we've overslept. Uh, in your case, it took place on the trail where you overslept and all your friends left you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All my new friends were gone. Yeah, and I just remember feeling like, oh, how, how am I going to, you know, 
navigate today? How am I going to um, get through today without other people? But you quickly realize, oh yeah, okay, I can do this by myself. I do have a GPS map. Um, I do have everything I need. Luckily, I did end up turning around and seeing that one guy had ended up just chilling there and having his breakfast. So I did acquire a friend. Yeah, it was it was a close call, but very good. So, <laughs> so you you couldn't find any of your friends in New Zealand who wanted to do this amazing experience with you. You you headed to the Mexican border on your own to hike from Mexico to Canada. Yeah, I mean, I did rope my younger brother into doing it, so I did I did successfully but, get one person on board. But in but terms you didn't of, you didn't even leave on the same day. Yeah, I mean, I blame the the lottery. Um, yeah, I was I was lucky to even get a place. I I thought I didn't even think I'd get a spot. But um, but yeah, no, it was definitely when you tell people in New Zealand, especially your friends, like people don't know about long trails. I think people do, especially in my circle, probably knows about it more now because of how much I've probably talked about it. Um, but it just, it, it seemed like, you know how you just don't know people who've won the lottery? It seemed like that. You, you hear of these people, but you don't know them directly. So I think to my, a, lot of, a lot of my friends, they were just like, you're doing that? All right. Yeah, makes sense. Okay. And were you hopeful to make some new friends out on the trail? Oh yeah. hundred um, percent. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I guess a big thing, um, and you'll see it in my, the film I made, you know, I'd heard about from past hikers that, you know, the thing you remember the most about the trail were the people and the friends you made because those memories that you have of the trail, they're always, um, they always revolve around the people you're with and yeah, those friendships. So I was hoping, you know, okay, great. I hope I can make some, uh, really good friendships and build some really cool relationships and connections out there. And I got exactly that. Very good. So how big was your trail family? We ended with 11 people. We fluctuated in size. I think the biggest, I don't know, 17, that was pretty insane. That wouldn't, that didn't last long. Maybe it would last a day or so, but yeah, 11 was the consistent number. 17. That's a lot of people to fit into that sweet, sweet and mammoth. Yeah. Well, actually I only started hiking with them from the half around the halfway point. So I had a much smaller trail family up until then. Smart. Very good. Very good. <laughs> and the young man who had not broken camp yet, uh, the, the morning you overslept, was that Irish exit? No, no, he, he lives up to his name. He, uh, he left. And he, <laughs> I think he was trying to get rid of me, to be honest. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, no, it was um, uh, my German mate, uh, Hayes, uh, who I, yeah, he was still there. So became friends pretty quick. Okay. And I, I brought up Iris exit because he featured in one of your, uh, one of your videos where you mentioned you, you met him on the first day and you pretty much hiked with him the entire PCT. So we, um, hiked every day up until the halfway mark. Okay. Um, and so that's when I kind of tra changed my like trail families. Just, I think at that point, once you finish the year, you kind of 
start to decide on what the rest of your hike is going to look like. And some people want to slow down, some people want to speed up. So that's kind of where we parted ways, but we hiked, yeah, every day up until then. And I think the Sierra is such a formative period uh, on your PCT through hike because they are the hardest days, the most challenging, most rewarding. So I feel like whoever you go through the Sierra with, you really bond with and you feel connected to uh, for the rest of your life, I think. So um, still very good friends with Irish, but yeah. Him and one other, Lucy, I hiked most of the first half with. Um, but there was one guy I started the same day as Katano and we finished together as well. So um, we hiked probably the most uh, together, I think. I don't know. Anyway. Okay. All right. Very good. And, you know, speaking of the the different sections of the PCT, there's there's really like five very different environments, five different, uh, different personalities of the PCT. You've got the desert, you've got the Sierra, you've got Northern California, and of course, Oregon and Washington. Which, uh, which of those five were you kind of most nervous about prior to starting your hike? Oh, definitely the Sierra. I mean, everybody talks about it and I had never hiked in snow. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Everybody talked about it being a high snow year, 200% snowpack. And I was like, cool, but what does that even mean? Uh, how to use this ice axe? Oh, I should probably take the, uh, the stopper off the end of the ice axe so it actually works when I'm going up Whitney, which I realized probably halfway up. Uh, no, I just had no idea what I was getting myself into with the snow and so I was really very nervous about that. And did it live up to to the 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 level of worry that you had prior? Oh, it exceeded. Exceeded. <laughs> I was, okay. I was like I think I was terrified pretty much every day, just very not comfortable. Uh always thinking, okay, you know, I mentally prepare myself every day and just kind of be a bit nervous. Uh but I mean, I loved it, but I was also just like terrified every day. Very good. I, I know that some people are, are worried, more worried about the desert. Um, how, how was the desert section for you? Uh, it was, no, it was, it was great. And I think we were a bit lucky that year. It was just, uh, we had a bit more rain than other years. So we had a lot more water. Uh, and I mean, I remember we had the swimming hole at some point and, I remember getting comments from other, like from hikers from previous years. And they were saying, where the heck is the swimming hole in the desert? Uh, so no, I think I really enjoyed it. And it's also, you know, the first part of the hike where you're still just super, you're finding your feet, you're super excited, you're meeting people every day. And it is kind of like, I guess like the party section of the trail uh, because there are so many trail angels um, and places that kind of facilitate you meeting other hikers. All right. And so when you got to Oregon, did you, uh, did you participate in the Oregon challenge? Oh, uh, <laughs> so um, I hadn't hiked with girls up until the halfway mark where I met the um, trail family that ended with, uh, who were affectionately known, called ourselves the blob um, because of, you know, absorbing people. Anyway, uh, so 
there were three of us girls in this group of 11 and we decided, um, well, one, their names are 11 and uh, Fiddle and 11 really, really wanted to do the um, 24 hour challenge. And Fiddle and I were quite keen to as well, but as it got closer and closer to this challenge, um, so Eleven is like the super badass chick who just does ultra marathons and Fiddle also is a great runner, but I think Eleven has had the most experience with like these super long distance races and she was just keen to do like a hundred miles. She was like, we're going to do 80 to hundred miles, like 80 minimum, but we're going to do, we're aiming for a hundred miles. And she laid out this whole plan of how we were going to go about the, go about the day and how we'd catch up to each other and how we were pretty much just going to run the whole thing. And as it got closer and closer to the challenge, I remember Phil and I just turned to each other and we're like, do you still want to do it? And she was like, no. And so we had to find a way to let Eleven know that we didn't want to do the challenge anymore. Um, so we let one of the guys, uh, TB, know torso boy and he put lemon down gently and um no it, it turned out right anyway we had full intentions to uh do the 24-hour challenge but it never happened <laughs> sometimes you know sometimes talking about uh something or or worrying about something is much worse than the actual something and so i know that I, i've heard that that hikers on the PCT, they talk about the Sierra for the first 700 miles. That's, that's the kind of, it comes up every day in conversation about, you mm-hmm. know, the Sierras are coming and what are we going to do with the snow? And this is going to be brutal. And they get there and sometimes it, it lives up to the hype or exceeds the hype in your case. Uh, but now I can also envision, you know, you get out of the Sierras and now the conversation turns to, we're going to do 80 to a hundred miles uh, in 24 hours in Oregon. And just hearing that over and over again, that also might be uh pretty daunting yeah i think we only decided probably the week before or so but still that week felt very long and i think again if we had done it it probably would have exceeded the uh hype <laughs> <laughs> just like the sierra yeah yep <laughs> hey, in one of your videos tip tap you talk about the why and having to mm. identify the why you're out there and so I- i'm interested to hear what what was tip taps? Why? And why is it important to know the why? Mm, um, I mean, I definitely just stole this from reading uh, Pacific Crest trials. Um, that was written by Zach Davis and um, a woman that's, I don't remember. That's really bad. The only reason I know Zach Davis is because he does the, uh, you know, the old, uh, website podcast i'm so sorry i've been away from the internet for a long time uh names escape me anyway besides the point yes so um i remember reading in that book just you know how mental preparation was something that was really important to ensure that you got to the end because on those long days that's the thing that can defeat you you know your body is sore but if you know you are mentally strong and in the sense where you are really committed to finishing this trail, then you will see it through. And I remember reading, you know, you having a why is really important with that motivation and that mental toughness. So heading out there, I think, I feel like I've probably given many different answers to what my, to what my why was, 
But I think a big element was just proving to myself that I could do this thing that just seemed impossible to past Eleanor, you know, to the one who was 16, 17, 18, 19, you know, just the younger version of myself who didn't think I'd ever be able to do something like that. And uh, being able to fulfill that, I think, gave me this real sense of uh, confidence and uh, belief in myself. But I would say that was probably my why from memory. (laughs) Very good. And would you say that the PCT was a bigger physical challenge or mental challenge for you? Oh, I think, hmm. It was definitely a mix of both. I think I was very, well, now that I can compare it to another trail, actually. Um, and when I look back, I think it was more of a physical challenge. I think I'd really committed to the idea and decided, you know, it was Canada or bust, you know, like I was, I was going to get to the end no matter what. And I was going to go all the way through. Uh, Cause I had this idea in my head. I had to do it properly, even though I think that's a bit silly now. Um, but I just was really committed to the idea. And I, and I think when you come from overseas, you, feel like you have no option but to get to the end. So getting myself to the border of Mexico, that to me was probably the biggest mental hurdle. Uh, and then from there, it was, I guess, yeah, the physical challenge because, you know, those are some some really long days and especially in Oregon, did some massive days and towards the end, your body is kind of breaking down and telling you to stop and rest and, you know, recuperate, but you need to get to the end because that's what you decided to do from the beginning. So I, in in some aspects, I would say uh, physical, but it's hard to say because, you know, how your memory of things just changes um, as time goes on. So maybe if you'd asked me a year ago, I would have said mental. Right. I have, I have a theory that when your your mind knows that it's almost over, that's when your body starts breaking down. Your body will hold up as long as it has to. But when it knows the end is in sight, I think that's when things get really tough physically. Mm. Uh, what what types of, of ailments, physical ailments, did you suffer on the trail? I mean, did you have any any serious foot problems or, or leg injuries, any, any kind of wear and tear like that? Uh, I have am notoriously known well by my sister for having glass ankles and I twisted my ankle a lot uh some not so bad some pretty bad where I would just cry just like that from the physical pain just my body would I would just start crying because it hurt so much and they were swollen and big for most of the trail uh so that really yeah, that was something I would be feeling every day. And the thing that made me take ibuprofen daily from the morning, not good, not good to rely on that. It's part of your meal prep. Yeah, actually. <laughs> With my coffee, vitamin I, you know, get going. Your pet sheep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. Uh, what, what, uh, what are some of your favorite moments from the trail? 
from the PCT? Moments. Uh, so I would, I mean, Whitney always stands out to me. Sorry, Kento. Uh, Whitney always stands out to me. Um, just, I'd never done um, an Alpine start. So starting when it was like 1am, I think, and just having the stars above us and just walking with our headlamps and just being like, man, what are we doing right now? And just climbing up this, um, you know, there were no switchbacks because of the snow, just climbing up this just shoot of, you know, ice steps and having ice fall on us from people above us, which is not the safest thing, but, you know, it was all part of the experience. Uh, no, so that always stands out to me. Uh, another favorite moment was getting um, over Sonora Pass and coming out at the end of the Sierra and just feeling like, oh my gosh, we got through that. That was we survived. Yeah. yeah, that was an incredible moment. Yeah, I was so happy. I was so over the snow, even though the snow continued for like another week. Uh, yeah, that was really really memorable and um and just i think another memorable one was in um not actually on the trail just in oh ashland just with um my trail family and just i don't know having the most incredible uh experiences with these people and just looking around and being really happy and grateful for the friendships that i'd made Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the 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 sense of community we talked about a little bit earlier, the sense of community and and just being out there and and, and with similar minded people, having these experiences, uh, very very special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we also had a pretty crazy night because it was two of the people. It was eleven and Katano's birthdays uh, consecutively, so it was a bit of a crazy night. But um, no, it was it was great. I I remember it all. So. There we go. It may have included some Mulan karaoke, but um, none of that was recorded. Actually, it was. I don't know what happened to the videos. Mulan karaoke. Did you care to hum a few bars? Um, oh, I'm actually on um, vocal rest right now. Um, so maybe, maybe next time. Got it. Got it. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right. Hey, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to get to New Zealand's trail. The TA, not the AT. AT is over on the East Coast of uh, America. We're going to talk about the TA in New Zealand. And then also, I want to talk a little bit about TipTap's YouTube channel. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. The John Freakin' Muirpod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence-inspiring education that empowers outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance and durability enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident in. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultralight. And welcome back. We just heard from Tip Tap about her PCT experience in 2019. 2019, 137 days on the trail. Let's talk now about T. Araroa. 
also known as the TA, which I will use from now from this point forward. You did that in 2000. Well, you just finished. So it, you started in 2020 and finished just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that's right. I started November 27th and finished March 28th. Uh, I had a lot of things that interrupted my hike, a couple of weddings, Christmas, um, and the luxury of being in your own, in your home country means you can go attend those things. Uh, but yes, um, just finished not that long ago. Now, if you also, if you're in New Zealand, I mean, you're so close to, you know, uh, Australia and Tasmania and the South pole. Did you go there as well? Oh yeah. 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 It's just, just right there. It's so close. Yeah. There, there's a bridge that goes from, um, Auckland to Sydney. So I just, um, I made a quick trip over there and then back just around Christmas time and then kept going. Uh, Tasmania, just the bridge, they're actually just finishing that one. So uh, I'll get to that, I think, probably end of this year. Okay. Very mm. good. Very good. Now, for, for our listeners out there who are not familiar with the TA, New Zealand's trail, as it's also known, uh, mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about it. I know it's, it's uh, about 3,000 kilometers, which is about 1,800 miles. Hmm. Yeah, so Te Araroa um, translates from Māori to uh, the long pathway, which is why it's a bit funny when you say, oh, we have, we've, we've all talked about it, um, every TA hiker is kind of like, do you say TA or the TA? Because if you're saying the TA, you're saying the, the long pathway. Um, and so most of us would just say TA. Uh, and yeah, it's a 3000 kilometer trail, 1800 miles, although New Zealand does not have switchbacks. So if we did, I feel like it would be a lot longer. Uh, that goes from the top of the North Island from Cape Reinga, um or Tereringa Wairua is the Māori name, or um, all the way to Bluff, which is known as also Muriheku um, in Te Reo. But yeah, it crosses both islands. Uh, does not include Stewart Island right at the bottom, which is also known as Rakiora, and uh, is 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 New Zealand's trail. It's, it's a wonderful trail. It's very uh, different to the PCT and um, most other trails in the states. I would assume. So is there a lot of national pride about uh, the trail because it's referred to as New Zealand's trail. And is there a lot of. Oh, it's interesting. A lot of people don't know about it still. People who live close to the trail, people who uh, just have maybe have not even known someone to do it. Uh, I had a friend who did it in 2016. So that was the first time I'd heard about it. I, it still wasn't on my radar at all until I did the PCT where every second person who found out I was from New Zealand asked me if I'd done the trail. Um, that's when I realized, oh, this is a trail that people actually know, well, people from overseas. Uh, but in New Zealand, it's, it is interesting because, yeah, maybe one and two or I don't know. It seems like not that many people know about it, but I think there is definitely has been a push in terms of getting people aware of this trail that is, you know, right in their backyards. Is it a relatively new trail? Uh, it was established in 2011. So this is like 
the 10 year anniversary per se. So uh, it is a very, very young trail and I think it will continue changing and developing as the years go by. I think this still needs to be, um, especially when borders reopen and a lot more international hikers come back through, I think there's going to need to be a lot more infrastructure around the trails. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's still finding its feet and, um, no, but it, it was, it was really wonderful and such to me, such a good way to get to know this country that I grew up in that I still, you know, some areas felt really unfamiliar to me. So it was, no, it was, it was great. Now you, you said that the, the, uh, the TA was very different than the PCT or any other possibly American trail in, in mm. what way, because in, in America, the PCT is very different than the AT and the CDT is, is different from both of those. They're, you know, very different. Um, PCT, you're kind of more remote, not a lot of towns nearby. AT, you're near, near town, you know, pretty much every, every, every day, it seems like. Mm. And so what, uh, how, how is, how is the TA different? Uh, well, I think, the PCT is definitely, I mean, one of its biggest claims to fame is it's a complete wilderness trail. So yeah, like you said, it's a lot more remote. Um, you can definitely go, you know, a week or more if you wanted to without going into town. Uh, it, you know, it's structured around, um, and through <laughs> the established towns and areas of New Zealand. So the North Island, you don't really have many options, but to go along coastal areas or go straight through towns or walk highways <laughs> and farms uh, because there's nowhere else to go. Um, we also have a real problem in the North Island, particularly uh, where a lot of Kauri, these native massive trees, are uh, dying, uh, being infected. So there are a lot of trails that are closed due to Kauri dieback. Um, that's one thing you'll notice if you ever come to a New Zealand trail is that there are all these stations set up before you head into these trails to scrub your shoes and put the spray on it. Uh, so, I mean, that's, and also within the trail, there are massive differences because there's the North Island and the South Island. So the North Island is a lot more, uh, town heavy, a uh, bit more road heavy, uh, more farmland. And the South Island is more of that wilderness trail. But I mean, it's so different as well because it's based in New Zealand, right? The, there's the different culture element, um, the different animals, the different um, flora, fauna, all of that. And, and like I said before, we don't have switch bags whoever built the trails uh in new zealand is you know kiwis like to just go straight up the mountain straight down uh there's no mucking around so switchbacks are very very few and far between you could probably count them on on two hands uh i remember anytime we came across one which is not very often i would take note and be excited <laughs> hey it's a switchback um, but I think because I've grown up in New Zealand and done a lot of New Zealand trails, I wasn't surprised with the kind of terrain that we were going through. Uh, but from what I've heard, when a lot of Americans come here, they are 
quite shocked at the uh, <laughs> the gradient of the trails. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people complain about switchbacks, and they're complaining because they've never hiked a trail that didn't have switchbacks. And I think they'd be grateful for the switchbacks if they if they had to experience what you're describing. Mm-hmm. Some areas for sure. Now you mentioned animals and wildlife. What is the what is the biggest animal I'd have to worry about on the TA? Are there any, are there any black bears out there? Grizzlies, moose, large sheep? Oh, if only. Um, yeah, zombie sheep occasionally. But I think actually, I, wild pigs supposedly are the biggest things out there. I didn't see or hear any. I did hear one person talk about hearing a pig. Uh, did not encounter them at all. Uh, possums? Possums are, they're, they're protected in Australia, but in New Zealand, they are, um, they are pests. They kill kiwi. So uh, the, I, that's a big difference between Australia and New Zealand. In Australia, you see a possum and you swerve. In New Zealand, you, you just go straight over it. You, you hit it. You, you aim for it. So um, possums, I don't know how big they are. <laughs> like, this is is this is this also a video going youtube um i would say the size of a cat maybe that like a a house cat um maybe a little bit bigger a little bit more um meat to it (laughs) not that i've eaten a possum i was gonna Um, ask if that was part of the, the the trail menu oh you know just a rite of passage um no um unless I have like a veggie alternative possum, then um, maybe I'll give that a go. But uh, yeah, those are kind of the biggest um, animals. You do see a lot of sheep on trail. They're not going to, oh, how could I forget? Oh my gosh. The scariest, most terrifying animals on trail are the cows. They are just terrifying um especially the bulls some of the fields you go through they 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 just they're, they're waiting for you they they want something to chase and they are loud and they will come towards you and i may have like a a tiny phobia of cows so i um i get pretty scared when i go through a field of them uh, others aren't so worried but there, there are jokes on the Te Arara Facebook page just about um, field cow crossing courses uh, because some people do get stuck and um, call farmers because they're too scared to cross the fields. So, yeah, cows, those are the scariest. That sounds like a trail angel opportunity on the, on the TA. You could mm-hmm. uh, have a trail angel transport you around the ferocious bull waiting to run you down. Yeah, I mean, river crossing course is a pre should be a prereq. Cow field crossing course also on the list to prepare. You know, there is an island off of the coast of California, Southern California, called Catalina. Have you heard of it? I have. There is a trail on Catalina called the Trans Catalina Trail. It goes from tip to tip. Nothing quite as long as eighteen hundred miles. It's only thirty eight miles, but they have bison on the island. Uh, that were brought over to Catalina back in the, I think it's the 50s, maybe the 40s, when they were going to make a movie, a Western on the island. And so they needed some some buffalo. They brought bison over there. And then 
they ended up leaving the bison there because it was it was too expensive to bring them back. And so the 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 bison is populated and and continued on on Catalina. But if you do the Trans Catalina Trail, you could wake up with a bison in your camp uh, no. the next morning. So no. that is a big animal. Do they, do they attack people? Uh, they, there's signs all over the place, you know, saying how far you have to stay away from them. But oh, I don't think no. I don't think the bison can read that sign because they sounds, come closer sometimes. That sounds terrifying. Sounds like my worst nightmare. No, no, not a fan of the cows. <laughs> all right. Hey, any 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 highlights you want to talk about from the TA? How did it compare to the PCT? It, just in terms of your of you know time and endurance and uh, overall difficulty. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Uh, highlights. Do you want highlights first sure, or highlights first, how it yes. compared? Okay. So highlights were, uh, I think in the North Island, <laughs> I really, I kind of laugh because, um, you know, a lot of people kind of want to get through the North Island because there's just, yeah, I mean, there is a lot of road, there's a lot of fun, but I think the biggest thing about the North Island is you really get to experience the communities, uh, especially in the North in Northland. And then as you go through, it's where you feel like there is this real trail community. And I just, I loved Northland. I loved um, the beaches, the short, the short stretch beaches because 90 mile beach was just a lot. Uh, But yeah, that, that section was a highlight for me as well as there's the Wanganui River where you can walk a section of it and then get a jet boat out. Uh, but most people opt for uh, canoeing down it. So you paddle down it for about five days. Uh, and that was a really, really cool experience. It's actually... Um, regarded as one of New Zealand's great walks, even though it's not a walk. Uh, and there's just a real rich history to the river and its importance to the people of that area. It was actually the first river, river to be granted legal personhood. So it is uh, well protected and looked after. Um, and I know that was just a really, really beautiful experience and just really fun because it was, it was a big change up from walking. You're like, Oh, the cool. This is part of the trail. It found like, felt like you were on a holiday from the trail, even though you were still on the trail. Uh, and then uh, as we got further, I mean, the South Island, South Island is incredible and you get, you appreciate it so much more because you haven't really walked a lot of mountains in the North Island. So there are some really, really beautiful stretches. The Richmond Ranges are regarded as the hardest stretch on trail. I would agree with that. It doesn't help when you get food poisoning going into it and then uh, feel like you can't eat and your stomach is burning for five and a half days as you climb the hardest um, ascents and have the hardest descents. Uh, and... What was, was food, also what, was the, what was the food poisoning from? Uh, so some people say that they got sick because they drank bad water in the stretch before, and maybe that happened, but there were five of us who went through and only two of us got sick. 
and we were the only two to eat a pie from this cafe that looked like it didn't have the best health safety, uh, food safety standards. Anyway, uh, it I, d- I it don't eat meat. Wasn't possum pie, was it? <laughs> I hope not. I don't eat meat. So I was quite surprised that I got food poisoning. Uh, like it's very rare for me to get sick from food, but, and I, like, I look back at what happened and um, Baggins our, our group, okay, trail names are not common on Te Araroa, but I was really trying to push for them. So one of the guys is called Baggins. He uh, had got a meat pie before me. Um, oh, that's right. Meat, I don't know. <laughs> I'm explaining all these cultural differences. Meat pies are a very uh, staple part of the kiwi diet. Uh, and um, so it's like a savory pie with like mints inside anyway so he got a meat pie before me and he had it microwaved and then i got this kumara kumara is like a uh, sweet potato <laughs> um kumara the chickpea pie and it was microwaved after him and i think something happened with his pie and then i got sick from his pie i don't know anyway two of us got sick the pie, two of us pie who- contamination yes yes um and you must always remember to blow on it as well so i think the um the oh so the two of us who got sick food poisoning also got stung by wasps in that stretch so i got about seven stings on my leg at this one point it was a whole thing one there were three of us who were kind of all close to each other maybe like a minute apart or so uh one guy must have disturbed the wasp the next guy went through baggins and I just hear, woo, yeah. And I'm behind like, oh, something exciting's happening up there. Maybe they're going for a swim. So I start walking really fast. I'm trying to catch up and I'm like, oh, what's happening? What's happening around this corner? As I'm going through thinking that I see all these wasps and I'm like, but by that point, it's too late. I've already, I'm already going straight through it. And then suddenly all these wasps just cling to my legs and I start screaming and running. And that's when I realized, oh, that's what the screaming was. Uh, There was a lot of pain uh, going on. So I just start screaming, running, get around the corner to the other two. One of them has like got a shirt off and he looks like he's in in complete shock. The other is kind of standing there like, I don't know what to do. And I get all the wasps off me and I go over to Baggins and he's got still got some wasps on him. And so I got stung about seven times and that poison is just like, you can just feel it stinging your legs and just, you can't not feel the pain. And he had about 17 stings. So that night we, both of us were just, you know, lying in our sleeping bags, just feeling the burning sensation in our legs. And I got this, I had this weird allergic reaction where my lip just started swelling up. We still had two more days to get out of the Richmond's and I, we were just like, can we go home? (laughs) So uh, Richmond and Rangers were one of the most beautiful, challenging, incredible stretches. Uh, and it was made even more memorable, uh, through having some hiccups along the way. And do, do the, uh, TA trail names all have to be associated with, uh, Lord of the Rings? Uh, <laughs> yes, no, um, we're really trying to stay I mean, I was trying to not quote Lord of the Rings 
uh, all the time because, you know, it gets old pretty quick. And as well as that, I think as much as I love Lord of the Rings and completely no doubt about it and definitely listen to some podcasts analyzing the screenplay, um, I just, or the screenwriting, I just also wanted to um, experience New Zealand for more than Lord of the Rings because there is so much more to it. Um, you know, there's so much rich history uh, and especially the stories that come from, um, you know, like Māori mythology as well as just their connection to the land. Um, def- I was definitely trying to not loop Lord of the Rings into that um, all the time because I think you just get a different appreciation for the country and something I would also really, um, you know, hope other future hikers of Te Aro would try to do um, and embrace the culture of uh, Aotearoa, of New Zealand, uh, beyond Lord of the Rings. But of course, there are moments where you need to bring Lord of the Rings into it and play the soundtrack and just go all out, especially when you get near the film where they filmed some <laughs> in some of those sections. But yes, Baggins definitely fell victim to a Lord of the Rings name. Just for complete transparency, the rest of your trail family was not named Strider or Legolas or Smeagol. No, 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 no. There was a DiCaprio. There was, I think, although only three of us really used our trail names, there was a Sparky and a Posty and a Candyman. But uh, yeah, that, that was the extent of the trail names, really. And did you remain tip tap? I did. I kind of just introduced myself as TipTap slash Eleanor on the trail because, again, trail names aren't really a thing and you kind of look like a weirdo. But, you know, I was really, I was really, I was like that over-enthusiastic drama kid or something. I don't know how I imagine one of the kids at school who tries really hard. That that was me um, at the beginning of trail and probably throughout the whole trail, to be honest. (laughs) That's a great image. That's awesome. Yeah. I remember from uh, one of your PCT videos where you, you were talking about how desperate you were to make friends and it was, mm-hmm. it was kind of cringeworthy looking back at your, your videos that you had made, mm-hmm. uh, kind of realizing how awkward that was. Yeah. I can't watch any of my videos. Uh, and at the end of Te Araroa, we met up with a bunch of tear hikers who were they had one more day. We were in Invercargill. So that's an interesting thing about finishing Te Araroa is that you get to Invercargill, which is a town, and uh, the next day you get to Bluff, which is the end. So you're in a town and then you finish in a town. And it's just, you're not, it's not like the complete wilderness finish um, of other trails like the PCT. And so we're in Invercargill and we meet up with these other tier hikers and we're all at a trail and just house and one of them decides it'd be funny to play some of my videos and I I I actually couldn't stay in the room I I had to leave it was just it was too much and I was thinking does that say a lot about me like what anyway I think it's just more it's really hard to watch yourself um, especially when you feel like you've grown a lot even after two years you know yep understood 
And that's a perfect segue to our next segment here, which is about your YouTube channel and what we can expect to find, what kind of content uh, we can find on your channel. And I'm, I'm happy that little Skittle kind of pointed me in your direction. And she said, you know, if you have not seen Tip Tap's YouTube videos, they're unlike anything you've ever seen in terms of a, a wilderness channel. You, you need to really take a look at that and uh, enjoy that. And I did. And she's exactly right. You have a, a certain style, a certain flair with your videos that I haven't seen anywhere else. So congratulations on that. Oh, thank you so much. And oh, that, that was so lovely. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I think, I mean, I guess like my, I mean, you weren't really asking about my approach, but I'll give it to you anyway. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, no, so um, yeah, no, I guess I, I did really try to take a different approach just because I wanted to make something that I would like to watch, even though I just said that I don't like watching any of my videos. So let's uh, disregard all of that. So what, we, what we're going to expect from my channel, that is a really good question. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about what I wanted to do with the, what I filmed on Te Araroa. I haven't even sat down and looked through any of the videos yet because I'm still kind of uh, processing and reflecting and also figuring out uh, where I'm going to live. Um, you know, real life things that you have to deal with, um, which is, yeah, kind of unfortunate once you finish the track, get back to a bit of reality. But yeah, I... I'm unsure if I want to make, to do something similar, if I want to do a series and put it on YouTube, or if I just would like to create one film. Um, I haven't really decided on that yet. And yeah, uh, I'm just at this point where I'm trying to figure out what the next step for me is. Uh, and what the best platform for me to share on is so yeah youtube is such a great tool though such a great platform and so accessible to everyone and it was why i was so drawn to putting videos on there because anyone can do it you know you don't need all of this gear and all of this money and you know you don't need that to be able to share your story and i think that's something that's really beautiful about YouTube. Uh, been saying that, yeah, I'm figuring out what that next step uh, looks like for me. So if our listeners take a, a pause right now on the, on the podcast, hit the pause button, go check out uh, Tip Tap's YouTube video. You're going to find an 11 part series on the PCT there. It's, it's got a prologue, it's got an epilogue and nine, nine episodes about uh, the PC her PCT hike. And they are, and if you want to get an idea of what it's like out on the trail, you need to watch those videos. Thank you for the plug. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you, you were a little guilty about doing a plug earlier. So I thought I'd just come straight out and, and plug for you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. And if, you know, I think it would be, I'm not trying to influence you at all, but if you were to do something similar for your TA trip, I mean, that would really give people some insight as to what the TA is all about and what to expect. And uh, if it was anything along the, the style and substance of your, your PCT series, I mean, we'd all be a little bit better off for having watched that. Oh, thank you. No pressure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, um, 
Yeah, it was interesting heading out on trail this time, just knowing that, um, I don't know, I felt, I guess, like more anonymous per se going on the PCT and just, you know, I was just out there filming because I wanted to be able to share a story in some way and I knew it was going to be a really formative experience for me. Going out on the TA or on TA this year was uh, definitely a different experience that I did not expect where I did have people recognizing me and I found that really, uh, it was really fun and really um, uh, interesting, which is not the best way, best word to describe anything. Cause yeah, anyway, um, anyway, it was just, it was, it was fun. And also just, um, I guess it made me realize that there was, I did have a bit more pressure uh, not only, I mean, not internally, of course, but also a little bit more pressure externally and just, um, yeah, what I would create from this experience. And I definitely want to share the um, story of Te Araroa because I think it is a trail that um, deserves the love and attention it will get I think it will only continue to become more popular um but hopefully you know uh maybe educate people a bit more on um you know the I guess the weight of the land that they're walking on and uh yeah maybe just highlight again, how different the trail is from any other because there are some days, there were some days where I was really like, what am I doing on this trail? I am literally walking on a road and everybody is on summer holiday. <laughs> Those were only a couple of days. I got over it. I think TA was definitely very, very mentally challenging for me. Uh, especially when I went through my own home city of Auckland, where you literally walk up through the main street where I went to university and I'm wearing a pack and just feeling like, what am I doing with my life? There are all these people who I know probably around who are just, you know, being responsible adults. And here's me walking with my backpack through the city Uh yeah, it was an interesting element of the trail, just uh, being in my home country, but something that also gave me this further appreciation for it too. Well, whatever form your your storytelling takes, I look forward to to seeing that or hearing that. So, what is next for Tip Tap? Any any designs on becoming a a triple crowner? Oh, knocking off <laughs> that the old thing. AT and the the CDT. Uh, um, you know, it's not a big draw card for me, uh, like having a title like that. So it's not top of my priority list, I guess, but what's next for me, that's it, it, a very good question and something I think about every waking moment <laughs> right now. Uh, but I guess TA in a sense was me almost waiting out to see what the world would look like in a couple of months, you know, in a year or so. And I don't think things will return 
back to normal for a while, but being in North America, traveling is something that's kind of always or has been on the top of my priority list for a while. I, I don't know. I, there's something about the States that really draws me there and eventually I'll make my way back maybe someday. Uh, but in terms of what's next for me uh, for trails, I would really, really love to do a trail in Japan. I still don't know exactly which one I would do yet. I know there's the 88 Temples one uh, and there are a couple others maybe that aren't so established, but um, my, my, so my mother is Japanese and my whole, half my family are there. I do not speak the language, which is something I need to work on. Uh, and I think there's a sense, I think having done Te Araroa, just um, more of a sense of wanting to connect to my heritage and that's something that would draw me to a trail over there. And we've had a couple of guests on the pod, come on and talk about the Shigoku pilgrimage mm. and then also the Japanese Alps and mm. sound, sounded pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I also just really like the idea of um, jumping, you know, into an onsen after a long day, <laughs> you know, a cup of miso to sip on some rice in the morning. Oh, be the dream. Uh, but I think that would be the top of my trail priority list in terms of what's next in, t- in regards to life. Uh, I, yeah, I hope to work on this project uh, about Te Araro and hope to kind of further my filmmaking skills or uh, work on projects in some sense. But yes, that is something I am figuring out. <laughs> Okay, very good. Tip tap, do you know where we are? Uh, I would say we are nearing the end. We are. We're at that point of the segment where I ask you for your pro tip insight of the week. Oh, of course. What little piece of wisdom can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better? Uh, Okay. Okay. I think... I'm going to have to go with something food related because that's one of the biggest things of the trail. And it's actually quite uh, practical. And I think advice I should probably listen to more, which is eat more vegetables. Just whenever you can pack out some fresh veggies because they go a long way. It's not good to just eat processed food for that long. You think you'll get away with it, but your body remembers. And I think it will really appreciate, you know, some carrots or, you know, a little, you know, pack of spinach. It's not that heavy, but it'll make you feel so much better. So vegetables, there you go, kiddos, eat your veggies. Very good. So there you have it. That's it. Season two, episode 21 is in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with TipTap. I want to thank her for joining us this week. TipTap, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find update on your latest adventures? Uh, I mean, you can, you can follow my YouTube channel. It's a little bit quiet right now. I think the thing that I'm mainly using is Instagram, though. I haven't been the greatest on that in recent times. Also, I've just kind of taken a little step back, a little breather from it all, but I will be back at some point. 
uh, posting stuff. Maybe this will inspire me to post a photo because it's been a while and I have a lot of photos from Te Araro that I have not shared. Uh, and I guess those are the two main places currently. Yes. Okay. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you have any comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakandmira at gmail.com. Tip tap, I'm also looking to you to share your recommendation for a piece of adventure media to keep our listeners connected to the trail. This could be a book, a movie, documentary, website, et cetera. What, mm. uh, what can you recommend to our listeners to check out to, to keep them connected to the trail? Uh, well, I will echo your praise for Journeys North by Barney Scoutman. I also recently watched the documentary Sherpa on Netflix. Don't know if you've seen that. It's, it was really, really powerful uh, and just gave so much more insight into what goes on behind the scenes uh, of people who are wanting to summit Everest and, yeah, what those Sherpas put on the line. Uh, yeah. That was titled Sherpa on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it was Netflix. I'm sure it was Netflix. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to check that out. Very good. That's a wrap from the John Freaking Muir studio. Any shout outs to friends and family? Tip tap besides Jamie, the, the pet sheep. The pet sheep. Oh, give a shout out to my cat, Pumpernickel. Uh, oh man, I, I do need to catch up with my PCT trail family, the blob. So I'll give them a little shout out because I'm missing those guys. All in the States. I'm the only Kiwi. Uh, well, apart from my brother. So if they're listening, hello, love you all, miss you all. When's our next group chat? Because, you know, need some, need some people to relate to who are also figuring out their lives post-trail. <laughs> Very good. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if there's a bull between you and tomorrow night's campsite. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents. Anywhere, anytime, and on any device. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.